Hello, this is If I Were the Minister for Education from Shop.net. Sanitized. Part 5. Back to School and Blended Learning. Hello, you're very welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshaw.net. This is Simon Lewis. Uh, this is part five of Unsanitized, uh, Back to School and Blended Learning, uh, a special series that I've uh, recorded uh, over the last couple of weeks um, about about children returning to school and what teachers can do to prepare them for this return to school uh, and is probably an alternative let's say to the government and the representative's bodies plans for us returning to school in uh, the the uh, representative bodies uh, and the government uh, have uh, got their fingers crossed that everybody goes back to school and everything will just go just fine however i'm a little bit more cynical and uh, given uh, that it looks like uh, cases are on the rise I see um, a situation where we will be going to a blended learning scenario uh, as well as a distance learning scenario initially. Um, if you were listening to this episode yesterday, uh, this is the second half of, I suppose, of what happens when we uh, when we actually uh, get back to school. Uh, yesterday, um, I was discussing what you need to do to prepare for uh, blended uh, for the blended learning scenario so how to set up all the accounts of the pupils in your school set up the various apps and so on and uh, i suppose it probably would have put people off <laughs> more than anything else but uh, it had to be done so without further ado i'm going to move to day one of school um, and when the children uh, return yesterday as i said i talked about getting ready uh, for going back to school and preparing children for um, a blended learning or a distance, even a distance learning experience, either would be fine. Uh, it wouldn't be fine at all. It's 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 actually not it's not what we want at all. But the reality is, it's probably going to be that. Um, and if you haven't listened to that episode, I'd suggest you would, um, because um, it's um, it, this bit won't make sense without the previous part. Uh, now, if you already uh, the only exception to that is if you already have set up um you, you know a, a system already with the usernames and passwords and the various apps and so on but as i said it's it's not no harm to have a listen to it just in case there's a couple of things that might might be of use to you and might make sense however uh once you've done all that setting up it'll come to day one and if at all possible in my opinion from the very beginning of school i would get children practicing logging in to the system and playing around with it as simple as that i think it's really really important to do that just to log in and play around with the system not do anything in particular um to, to start off with just whatever way it is to log in whether that's as simple as uh putting a qr code in front of a webcam um if that sentence didn't make sense to you don't worry um or simply typing in their username and password and logging in and doing something whatever that something might be maybe opening their internet browser i don't know and then closing the laptop down and doing it again and one of the things you can do um just to make it a little bit more fun because that's not fun at all uh is to uh, and this is a tip uh, i saw on a website oh I, I can't remember i can't give credit to it but uh, I, I you know i thought it was a very clever idea was uh, because children take an enormous age to log in to um laptops when they're typing in their username and password you you can do this kind of uh, a race basically of who can log in the fastest and uh, and that'll get them going and 
do those races every so often might be a little tip anyway but after they've got uh, good at logging in uh, what i'd suggest is you set small tasks to do every day at home um not you can if you if they if you have enough devices in school well, well all well and good but the thing is we need to get them practicing at home because that's effectively what's going to be happening i would imagine um in a, in a number of weeks time and every day at home they need to just do one small thing for the first week and all they really need to do is log into the system every day and do a short task whatever it might be and here's some ideas for these first few tasks now I'm using Google Classroom here as my example, but this is very, very adaptable to any system, whether it's Seesaw or anything else. I'm going to start, um, well, usually one would start with task number one, but because it's me, um, I'm, I'm going to go with task zero because it isn't actually a task at all. It's basically something to do to make sure that the children understand the rules um, of using your system. And before you do it, you're going to have to agree on ground rules with your children. So before you even do task zero, so task minus one, if you will, um, effectively is there just needs to be one rule. Uh, if, if, you know, I mean, you can talk about it, obviously, with your class. It's a very good idea to talk about these things with your class. But there really is only one rule. If you're not allowed to do it in real life, you shouldn't do it on an online platform. That would be my rule. Um, and I, I think that's, that, that should generally cut out most bad stuff. Um, there might be... Um, you know things like dropping f-bombs or whatever yeah i'm not allowed to swear on this podcast you have to mark whether it's clean or not so um i can't believe i said the f-bomb how terrible anyway uh next um you know you're going to, have to remind them about cyberbullying because that's another obviously very important thing and uh, what it actually means i mean a lot of children understand what cyberbullying is because you know if you think about it most children are just let loose on games um, and they're probably doing online gaming with people they don't know and friends and maybe have no and have learned how to converse on the internet maybe very different of conversing in real life and they may think it's okay to use abusive language they may think it's okay to be um teasing somebody i mean te- uh, or i mean bullying cyber bullying somebody and may not see you know trolling i if you uh, you know i think is is probably the right word that you know if you if you think about how you use the internet um versus how you use um real life you might be a different person on both of them i always like to r- r- think of being on being on the internet is like driving a car um uh, rather than walking up a street so for example if you're driving a car right and then somebody overtakes you you know it's pros- possible now i'm not saying everybody does this, it is possible that you'll start shouting abuse th- uh, at this car and giving out stink about them knowing that they can't hear you um, or thinking that they can't hear you at least um and um however think about if you were walking up the street and somebody kind of walked by you or overtook you uh, as they were as they were going um up the street can you imagine if you shouted after them well i mean they'd hear you and they'd turn around and probably you know you'd who knows what would happen and, and that's what i'm looking about the internet when it comes to um online behaviors some people don't you don't realize you're in the safety of your own house but and you're and you're you're kind of shouting you know at a screen thinking the person can hear you the only difference though between the car and the internet is that other person can retaliate um you know although it's sort of slightly inhuman inhumane or inhuman um in a way so just anyway i don't know if that's a good analogy but you need to teach them about it um that uh you you have to act in a, in the same way um on, on your google classroom as you would if you were talking to the teacher in in the classroom because you know 
you gotta you gotta keep your uh, you gotta keep your boundaries um if that makes sense so uh sorry i'm probably uh going on a bit about this and it's probably important but it is important and um, so look all of this will help in covering sphe i mean the government wants us to do loads more sphe i think it's the third most important subject in the curriculum guidelines um that they just released um so there you go you've uh, you can do your little bit of work on webwise on cyberbullying um and you can have a chat about ground rules about keeping each other safe and now you can go on to um, task zero after all that <laughs> so task zero basically is to ask the children to log in and say hello to you genuinely that's 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 my first task task zero that's it um and the reason i i i suggest that is because this lets them get the sillies out of their system i, I like to call it it's because you know when you go i don't know if you've ever used uh, i'm sure you've all used uh, computers with your class but if you never used an online system with your class what they really need to do <coughs> excuse me uh, that's not a cold cough by the way and um, what they really really need to do is they need to make sure they get every emoji out of their keyboard they need to type in long strings of meaningless letters and they'll need to make reference to things that people have said on youtube that will be way over your head um and then someone will write something inappropriate probably so we need to get all that out of the system it's almost like you know look right kids go nuts do what you really want to do you want to type in i love curry for no reason because you know um that's what children do they play and uh look let let's get it out of their system that's task zero now task oh no wait task zero b there we go let's use the inappropriate comments that will inevitably be used um on the uh on your task zero um as a lesson on good internet etiquette now I'm, I'm only joking in a way um obviously i would not be making an example of one child you wouldn't be saying hey there um i need to think of a name um i don't know chloe because that's the most popular girl's name at the moment okay chloe i can't you wrote the the following thing and that was really me you know you're obviously not going to do that but there's a very good way to explain inappropriate internet um content or netiquette uh, internet etiquette netiquette um so we can talk about spam and why it's not a great idea to write loads of stuff on the internet um especially gobbledygook and emoji loads of emojis it's fine to have one emoji um uh, <laughs> some people will find that funny because if they know me i i'm, I'm a recent um i'm a recent sort of what, what would i say addict is totally the wrong word user of uh, of of emojis uh, i have this kind of pet hate um that if somebody wishes me happy birthday and then puts a birthday cake as the emoji after it's 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 a tautology why would you do that? i know it's my birthday you don't need to put a cake but i do get the idea of putting smiley faces and and, and, and emotions and things like that because it clears up what you're trying to say there i am going off on a tangent as always um anyway um the idea is really you're trying to teach children like if you put in a lot of rubbish on the internet a lot of spam a lot of you know um, not inappropriate necessarily but certainly um stuff that it isn't um relevant let's say irrelevant stuff um it clutters the internet and it, it makes it difficult to read so you you'd ask some questions like did you find it easy to read all the emojis and nonsense words and all that so did you find it easy to find the stuff that mattered you know that people actually said and that, and sort of explore it that way together and and then they can actually practice now good etiquette or netiquette um and that's finally my gosh i'm sure you're uh, delighted that you listened to 10 minutes of me rambling on about that before we even got to the first task and basically my first task really is not much different to say hello all it is is to ask them and it's so simple is to type in their favorite color or their favorite animal or their favorite food or whatever 
into the timeline you can be as inventive as you want clearly you can see i haven't thought too much about this uh, by saying color animal or food and all you want them to do now they've got the non-sillies out of their system or they should now in this case be able to just type in their favorite whatever it is and hopefully they'll have all figured that out um, and uh, they'll realize that this is just this is what all they do and you can show them a little trick the next day with their answers by copying them all into a spreadsheet and making a lovely chart like one of your tra teacher training colleges did to tick the box of the maths curriculum and what you can do is then show them wow blue is the school this class's favorite color Ooh, uh, dogs are the most popular uh, animal in this classroom or um, you know you get the idea and you can even get that with older classes you can look about percentages angles all that sort of stuff hey you know um you don't just come here for the technology um anyway that's i would do a few tasks like this that's your i mean task one can be done over over a week i would say i would suggest they do it a few times um and you can be more inventive than just making pie charts i'm sure you can do other stuff with data um if you like and i don't mean just making bar charts or line charts instead of pie charts um but do a few tasks like that and have discussions and talk about why people might have responded in a particular way and uh, and all that kind of stuff or even have debates um around it so if you were doing your favorite animal and you had you know 40% dogs 40% cats and 20% everything else why would that be why do people like dogs things like that starting discussions and uh, and stuff like that you, you know thinking uh, and again this would be useful for SPHE if you're doing philosophy in your school uh, a lot of schools are doing that at the moment um, or whatever so these are the kind of things I think but what you're really doing apart from that is you're giving them the chance to practice distance learning um, or uh, blended learning and in fact in this case it's blended learning because you're using the information they do at home and bring and using it in school so it's not actually distance learning this is actually blended learning um, which is good uh, because that's uh, uh, it's, it's a nice simple way of doing it um, and I suppose what I what I do is once you've got you know they've done you know simple things like that and, and again you'll know your class so i mean i think you know one day might be enough for one class uh but it may need a couple of days for other classes but then you kind of need to start getting a bit more meaty with your prompts share one thing that you enjoyed about the summer now this summer was like no other summer um so it's something thinking about trying to get children to think about positive stuff that's happened over the last few months it's really that kind of thinking about the pandemic time and really you're what you're kind of doing a lot is the sphe and the well-being stuff now i know we i, I realize we've had very little training if any um so in, in some ways hopefully uh, before we get back to school we'll get prompt questions from neps that we can possibly add into our into our um uh, google classroom or, or whatever platform we're using but what i'm saying is think of this like a virtual circle time um in a way that you put out the prompt and everybody has the opportunity to respond to your prompt um, and they don't have to if they don't want to I mean that's that's kind of a, a part and parcel of it as well but it's um, you know it's, it's it's a safe way of doing it so it's kind of like circle time well without a circle um, and possibly time and um, I know it, it's time I guess and um, but anyway once you feel they get used to this kind of thing it's you're, it's time to up the ante and start giving you know meaty schoolwork let's say um and i suppose that that's task two and it's pretty much up to you where you, <laughs> what task two is but what i would start with one thing and keep doing it till they get very good at it and link it in with a particular subject so it might be something as simple as getting them to watch a youtube video 
and responding to it. So you might do uh, something on music. So you might have a piece of music that you want them to listen to. Now it could be any type of music, a pop song, a piece of classical music, but you might have a prompt question for that. How did that song make you feel? What did you know? Did you, uh, what instruments did you hear in this? Could you tell me what beat you heard in that if they're very, very advanced and so on. So you've got these, um, you know, this could be a, an idea um, of a task. You, you might pick a different thing, but the thing is you're linking a task such as watching a YouTube video and responding to it. Um, or you could, uh, if, they're, if, if you feel confident of getting them to uh, do a slideshow about whatever it might be. It could be, a, maybe, maybe you could get them to do a, a, a slideshow of a recipe um, they'd like to make at home, for example. Um, so uh, what, I, what I do think really is um, that might be useful as you, as you go on. I try a few different things out, but I think might be what your aim really will be to get to is I think mixing written work and technology might be a, might be useful as well because the examples I gave you there were solely technology based. You had to do something on a piece of technology. And, you know, I, I kind of, um, you know, thinking about it is that, you know, when they're, when they're at home, they probably won't always have access to the computer. You know, they could be in a family of five or four or three even. It doesn't really matter, but more than one. Um, and they may not have access to a computer all the time and they may have to do some of their work on, yes, paper. I, I, I you know, I had to think very hard of that technology. Paper, uh, I'm only messing, but like, um, they, they will, they, 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 there, is, there is space when you're using distance learning or blended learning that children actually don't do the work on a computer the whole time. They might do the work on a paper or in a book in a copy book um or or whatever it might be and um, but certainly something not digital and then they simply need to put uh take a photograph of it and upload it and i think this is task two really you know you can do the full t digital thing but i think maybe before you do that and I'm, I'm sorry i'm kind of went ahead of myself before i got back so come back a little bit with me there it might be very useful for them to do a piece of work in their copy book or in a book at home, take a photo of it and upload it to their account. And I think it's a very useful thing to do um, when it comes to the blended learning and possibly distance learning in the future. And the main reason I'd be encouraged this is because it doesn't, as I said, rely much on using technology to complete the task. You can do the task without using technology. But, and, and in fact, the only bit of techie work takes about 10 seconds and that's simply photograph it and upload it. So just um, that might be a little bit of a, a tip, maybe task two um, for you. Um, however, technology is very helpful and, and um, you might then begin to try things like the YouTube video or getting them to do a slideshow. Or they might make a short video on Flipgrid, or for example, Flipgrid is a great tool uh, for those of you who haven't used it. Uh, whatever it is, get them to use an app and integrate it into a subject, but use an app that you'll be using a lot. Don't be using too many apps. Like don't use one-off things. You know, don't use something that you'll only use once. Use an app that has a lot of uses and um, something quite open-ended because you're going to be doing a lot of it, I think. I mean, I can't, just with the structures of things, I do think children will be using, um, will be at home uh, doing a lot of their learning from home. And I think um, if they have a small number of tools that they use to do everything, that's quite useful. P be, be limited in the, in the apps that you use, but integrate them as well as you can within the learning. So for me, I think a slideshow app uh, like Google Slides or PowerPoint is very useful or a word processor such as Microsoft Word or Google Docs um, is the best for any child. 
um, who can read and write, obviously. And some children who can't write uh, can voice type um, if needs be. I, I mean, that's the power of technology, isn't it? Accessibility. But you can create, um, what you can do is you can create template scaffolds for them to work uh, to work on with different topics. Um, now, podcasts aren't a very good medium for doing step-by-step -step instructions for doing this kind of thing. But if you are looking for step-by-step -step instructions for setting up um, scaffolds or templates um, for, um, uh, for, you know, uh, uh, slideshows and word processing uh, documents uh, I'd suggest you have a look at uh, on Shaw.net's YouTube channel uh, and I did a couple of those um, on uh, during lockdown um, while I was on the board of the IPPN um, you could also obviously if you don't you don't have to rely on Shaw.net um, there are much better videos out there on YouTube for creating um, similar types of things so uh, look look up um, uh, YouTube and search for scaffolding uh, I think scaffold scaffold is probably not the right word uh, you'll probably come up with a better word I just can't think of it it's, well, I'm recording this at half eleven at night uh, and I'm quite tired so um, uh, you, you'll know what the word is um, anyway uh, basically um, what I'd suggest is looking for guides on YouTube because it's easier to see them uh, for younger children because I think um, word processors and slideshows are, are, can be a bit difficult, are, are difficult enough for very young children, infants and first and uh, maybe second class. Try out apps they can use. So, for example, if you're using Seesaw, um, you know, in, in infants or wherever, most of these uh, most of these things are already available. But if you're using something else, um, not like Seesaw, Book Creator is very, very easy to use. Any infant can create a book in Book Creator. Flipgrid is dead easy. Uh, Jamboard uh, from Google, I mean, it's basic as well, but it's like a, an online whiteboard uh, which you can use. And um, if you want them making things. And, and to be honest, if you use those three tools in infants, I think you'd be doing pretty well um if you teach them those um because they're not that difficult to learn um but they also um but they're very powerful in every subject basically book creator you can create books um with uh, multimedia flipgrid you can create short videos of yourself responding to a question and jamboard is effectively um i don't know uh, what what the uh, non-digital version of it is but it's basically a whiteboard um so that is what i suppose that is basically what it is uh, but it's a, a whiteboard where you can do um much more than you could do on a normal whiteboard uh, you have unlimited markers uh, for example look to be honest with you i can't see us getting too far into the year to draw, draw delve much further in um but if you manage to get your children to practice posting messages onto your onto your stream of your um of your uh, of your uh, system uh, google classroom or whatever it might be maybe uploading photos of their work maybe accessing one or two maybe three apps and perhaps visiting a couple of websites i think you'd be doing a really good job um and i i mean that kind of stuff can happen that can happen i'd say over two to three weeks um and um it'll get you set up for both distance learning and basically what you are doing anyway while you're doing this is blended learning. You're setting them up for blended learning. But what you're doing actually is blended learning because they're doing stuff at home and you're discussing the results of it when you come back to school the next day. Um, the flipped classroom model is some another another way to describe it. And children, um, you know, when children end up uh, going back to school part time, they will have had the training that you will have given them. Um, now, <laughs> I probably should say this now because I, I've been going on about all the stuff they'll be doing at home. It some people might be accusing me of saying this this, this kind of looks very like homework and um you know i'm someone that would be someone who's trying to scrap homework uh aren't i uh if for those of you who've listened to this podcast before because th that doesn't sound like me at all so as i said um there's homework um and there's homework uh to to uh 
sort of paraphrase the Simpsons as I often do in this podcast. Um, but there's homework and there's home learning, <laughs> which I'm even saying that that sounds like a heap of rubbish to be honest with you. So I'm going to try again. Homework, as we used to know it, PPT, pre-pandemic time, um, was when a kid went to school to learn a load of stuff and then they were sent home to do more of the same stuff at home. That was what a homework was. Um, or that's the kind of homework I'm not for where you're just where, where, where there isn't a you know it, it's basically you do you do the work in school and then you do more of it at home or you finish off what you didn't do in school that's not good homework that's not that's, to me that's that's not homework that's just nonsense um, and, and for me uh, the reason people give for doing that kind of homework and I, I've already called it nonsense but some people do argue that this is a very good idea because they say it ran from preparing children for secondary school um, or something along the lines of when he's older he'll have to bring work home with him now as, 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 as you know from listening to this podcast before both these reasons are completely nonsense um, of course but uh, anyway in case we are actually preparing children for something that's basically what we're doing here is we're actually basically preparing children not for secondary school not for when they become adults we're basically preparing them for now um, which is they're going to be doing work at home and it's not exactly homework this time this is blended learning where you're at, where the children are kind of doing um, meaningful work at home which they can use for their for their own learning and, and I mean look I don't know if I'm going to convince people we do need to prepare them for the fact they're going to be doing stuff now not in secondary and not when they're in work now uh, where, so that's my argument we need this is a necessity um, in a way and it's not simply repeating stuff you were already in school this is preparing them for a time where they will need to do they will they will need to do all of their work or most of the work using some form of digital technology and using a simple apps to do that in order to be able to contact you in any way so i'd suggest that instead of whatever homework you used to give um uh, that you use these few weeks that we have and um, whatever whatever length of time they'll be to get children to practice five to ten minutes i think this is something that just needs to be done for five or ten minutes so it's, it's not even as long as what traditional homework might have been getting the skills they need to have when they are going to be learning at home and one of the biggest issues we had in the first lockdown in my opinion anyway was that we weren't really ready for it um, and if i remember correctly only 20 percent of schools uh, according to us, uh, the research i think the ippn did had any form of learning platform and of that 20 percent, i think some of the uh, some of the definition uh, some of the definitions they had of learning platforms i believe was a bit questionable um, and as a group of educators together we've actually moved on from that time it was a really good it was well, sorry i won't say it was a really good survey it was bits of it were useful like that um, and I think we've moved on from that time though which is amazing it was only a few months ago but we've moved we've all kind of graduated from from this point and we're, we're now ready to do it we need to be ready this time because despite what all the politicians are saying despite what the representative bodies are saying it's I think it's fairly clear that we'll be on lockdown soon I think I've said this once in this podcast anyway uh, rather than trying to do everything in a three-hour window like we did the last time I believe it's a good idea to get moving now and um, now some people might say what, what if you're wrong and this virus does have an aversion to pokey crowded classrooms and mildew on the walls well the good news is that all of this stuff is going to be really handy in regular times when there isn't a virus going around the place and it has been for a very long time for my school and i'm not saying our school's brilliant in any way i think it's brilliant but my school has been using an online learning platform like google classroom well it is google classroom for over three years at this time of the recording and we haven't had a homework journal since then 
Um, and homework has gradually moved from being this direct transcription from what would have been in a homework journal to stuff that's much more interesting and much more project-based in a way in the, in the activities and, and things are, are a little bit more uh, natural in that way. You know, you give more choice uh, to pupils and pupils enjoy doing their, ho their, their work at home uh, a lot more. You see how I stumbled over the word homework very well there. Um, so anyway, that's kind of all I have to say on it. I mean, I, 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 I mean, we're coming up again to the half hour mark. I really wanted to keep these episodes around half an hour um, each, if, if a little less. Uh, I failed to do a little less uh, at all. But um, that's really all I'd suggest you're doing. You're, you're basically task zero, task zero B, and then task one is a simple little things uh, uh, that you just get them to, to practice interacting with you at all. Then you gradually introduce, you pick two or three apps that you think you're going to be using during a lockdown or a blended learning thing and stick to those and make sure they're open-ended enough that you'll use them a lot so the children get good at them. And it doesn't really matter what they are. And you could have a school plan dictating what they are, but I would suggest that wouldn't be a good idea at this point. You're too busy right now. But what I would suggest is you uh, you pick three three uh, things, something for typing in, something for videoing um, would be would be two very good options, um, I, I would suggest. Um, and possibly a, a slideshow kind of thing might be useful or even book creator which uh, uh, which is again similar to writing so there's there's quite a few bits that i, I would suggest there um i don't i i i won't i won't harp on about it look the thing is you know i, I and, and this is the weird thing really in a way I mean, this episode has been all about technology and how it can help but the previous few episodes certainly the first two parts of this uh, special kind of unsanitized series was talking about how school is going to be a much more traditional place than it than, than it has been in many many years that we're going back in time back to the 80s back to the 70s and 80s in terms of methodologies in the classroom and that's probably still fair so the classroom itself is going to be a lot more traditional when the children are in it but it's going to be amazingly more progressive um, in other ways um, the pandemic really I believe um, has done one positive thing and that's been to show how um, dreadful governments have been in supporting primary education i thought you think i was going to say uh, that it's it's made technology more accessible no you know basically this pandemic has shown us why we have to do this it's not a positive thing that we have to do this home learning idea that's not really what school's about school is much much it isn't about that at all basically what this pandemic has done is it's shown up how poor things have been in primary education we've had the biggest uh, we have the biggest class size in the eu now we have an over overly complicated network of schools which means that we have far too many of them for no good reason both in rural and urban areas because don't think i'm not i'm not taking a pop at rural areas there's too many schools in urban areas too and that means costs are way too high for anything at all to work properly we have a really stupid transport system based on the fact that we have a silly idea that everyone should have a choice of the type of school they want to go to instead of having one type of school which gives everybody in them an equal education we have a system which has deeply let down children with additional needs and i, I feel i haven't said that enough uh, in this little mini series and it continues to do so during this pandemic and continues will continue to do so as this pandemic can uh, as continues going i could actually go on and on and on about what this virus has actually shown up but will anything change within our education system because of this pandemic i don't think it can 
as I say on this podcast, our system, our education system is like Christmas decorations. Now, using Christmas decorations in the summer holidays, I, you might be think I'm mad, but I really believe the system is like Christmas decorations in the attic. You take them down, right? And you try and unknot them. And every time you think you've solved one little knot, another few knots appear. So you basically after a while you give up and you throw the whole lot over the tree and you hope nobody cares. And, and, and luckily, because the education is so low on people on the general population's minds, it didn't even show up as an edu- as an election issue. They actually get away, <laughs> effectively. I mean, carry on the metaphor here with a Christmas tree full of lights that don't work, broken decorations, and wires tangled everywhere. And the only thing we can do right now in this pandemic is to try and make the best of the tree that we have. And to be honest with you, if we even get near Christmas and still be in school, it'd be like some fairy tale of good luck that was a bad pun that didn't work at all thank you um for listening that's all i've got on um on on blended learning um after this um i'm going to uh, try and do uh one more um episode on the unsanitized series where i'm going to answer uh questions um that people have had on twitter and on facebook um a few days ago i put a question out there on both mediums asking um people if they had any questions around blended learning and uh i'm recording this at close to midnight uh on the uh, on the tuesday morning uh the, the week before we go back to school uh, so i'm going to try and record that a little later in the week um i'll just uh, uh, get the questions and answer them live without thinking too much about them and um hopefully um, I'll be able to answer if you have any questions there's still time to do that uh, then so that is it um, for this uh, particular part of our series and um, I'm looking forward to speaking to you again if you have any comments or any uh, reviews um, or you'd like to say anything at all about this podcast I'd really really appreciate you doing so by going to whatever podcasting app you use and adding a review or adding a comment and I'd love to hear from you um, if you can thanks so much for listening and we will see you again thank you bye bye